it's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game. This is the Prospects Baseball Show, your inside look at the boys and girls of summer. Here's your hosts, Dean Millard and Jordan Blundell. Welcome to another edition of the Prospects Baseball Show. My name is Dean Millard. This is episode 12, and Jordan Blundell is joining me as well. We are also going to be joined by the owner of the Edmonton Prospects, Pat Cassidy, and Jordan's boss. Uh, surprise evaluation for Jordan today on the uh, podcast. Uh-oh. But I think you will pass uh, with uh, the finish to the season that you guys had. And we should also note uh, today's podcast is no frills. Uh, there's not gonna We're not going to do uh, fantasy baseball and history. We're just going to get to a recap of the season, talk about the future, and hopefully cross our fingers. One thing I will say, we usually do a fantasy baseball segment. Uh, remember how I went 12-0 and 0 the week before and made a giant leap? Yeah, I, I went 0-12 this week. I faced the, I faced the first-place team, and he crushed me 12-0. I faced the first-place team and split 5-5. Wow, and Bryce a lot sold, better than me. Sold it. All right, let's get into fantasy real quick. Sunday night game, uh, San Fran's playing Philly on, on TV. Um, I'm tied in. That's so nerve wracking when that happens. (laughs) I'm tied in home runs. I'm tied in RBIs, I think. And then average and OPS were so close that it, like if something happened, you get, you get bumped. Right. And, and uh, like, so basically long story short, if Bryce Harper would have hit a home run last night, it would have been the biggest home run on my fantasy baseball team in the history of our of our franchise. He didn't, uh, so we ended up tying, but that dude's way out in front. He's got like 12 keepers because he loaded up, and I, I love my team right now. Yeah, I went from having a comfortable lead in third <laughs> to now like two teams are right on my ass, so I'm, uh, I got gotta, some work to do. You got to get on that waiver wire. Yeah, I got, I, I, and I was in like no cell service camping over the weekend, so I couldn't even monitor and pick up guys or anything. So you should know better and have that rocket stick for you. It's coming down the nitty gritty of this. Hey, Trish, uh, Dean, why are you bringing that satellite phone? Yeah, just in case I need to uh, change my fantasy lineup. Um, okay, so let's uh, take let's go back to last week. You'd come off that frantic finish, and listen, this I'm I, I, I'm surprised and happy that you guys took a game in that series because I literally and I never didn't want to say this before I thought you were going to just race so hard to get into the playoffs and have nothing left so to win an extra inning game at that uh, was so impressive but uh, let's uh, just take let's go back to uh, you know Thursday uh, the first playoff game do you think fatigue because they they got a like a five run inning do you think you guys just kind of ran out of steam uh, you know, like, I guess you could look at it that way. No, I don't think so. Dino, we had them on the ropes and we didn't, we, we didn't knock them out. We had opportunities in that game that we, we messed up. We didn't capitalize. We didn't execute. And we, we talked to the guys after the game about it was execution. That was the difference. And, and when things haven't gone our way, Dino, this year, that has been the situation is we didn't execute. Um, for sure. We don't expect it a hundred percent of the time. Uh, you definitely want it in big games when you need it to execute. And, and you know what? We, it, it wasn't the way it played out. Uh, we were up in that game. Then it was tied. And then, uh, 
you know, the wheels kind of fell off. Um, not so much like youth baseball because when the wheels fall off, they completely fall off. You know, again, some things didn't go our way. We weren't able to stop the bleeding, and then they were able to, and they're a good program, obviously, and they were able to push that extra run or two across, and the 7-2 final really wasn't indicative of the actual game, uh, but that's the result, and that's that's what way it happened. But, dude, we uh, we let one get away there. We had an opportunity mid-innings to go up 3-1 um, and then continue with pressure up 3-1 and, you know, maybe get another one that's 4-1. And then that, that doesn't happen like it did. So, yeah, frustrating in the competitive person sense, you know, but, you know, not frustrated at our guys. Like, they, 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 they've given us their all all season. Uh, they, were, they were battling and grinding. It just didn't, just didn't work out for us in game one. So going into game two, we had, uh, you know, our, our dude on the mound, Hunter Boyd. Yeah, and so just before that, is that, that strategy, right? I looked at, at, at going Hunter in game two as – um, he gives you your best chance to either tie the series up or win the series. Is is that what you're looking at with uh, with Hunter in game two? You know, the, the, the those thoughts cross your mind. Um, honestly, the decision was so that he could get closer to his proper rest that he'd been on schedule-wise. Oh, okay, okay. Um, could we have gone game so one he, with him? Probably. He wasn't even fully rested and he throws 10 innings, 10 strikeouts? Like he was, like he could have even been rested more? Well, like if you look back, he, he'd been going Saturday, 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 Saturday. So that was a Friday game. Oh, so he was okay, a yeah. day short. Um, now Hunter most likely could have gone Wednesday if you <laughs> ask him, right? He's so a beast, man. He is a beast. So um, I felt like it was uh, it would suit us better to allow Hunter that extra day to you know. Why not? Yeah. We we're gonna play yeah, two it, games for sure. So if let's, you take one on the road, and now you're then really he's laughing. wrapping it up. Yeah, right. If if they win like they did. He, like I said, he's your best chance to, to tie it up. And, and that's, he was, sounds like he was masterful. And that was the mindset, you know, if, if this works our way in game one, like what a better situation game two. He spun, he spun a gem dude, uh, you know, 10 innings. We got, we got beaked a little bit there on Twitter for letting him go with so many pitches. You By know, who? Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Let's get into the premise of, yeah, he threw too many pitches. Um, he's a graduated senior. He's not going back to college. He's not going to college. Um, he, he may get an opportunity in pro baseball. Um, you know, th- when you put this in perspective, they're, they're not babies. Uh, they're not little kids. They're this young isn't a men. freshman whose college coach is saying, do not throttle this guy out. This right. is a guy who's has finished his college career. He can now make his own decisions and say, I'm good to go for this long. Good point, you know, and, and this is what comes up with that. Well, you're still the, you're still the captain. You're still, you need to control the competitor and, and not allow this person to be a warrior. You know, you need to be responsible for that. And, and I understand that as a manager, um, more yeah, than, I guess they should have told most. Ryan Smith that in 2006 when Pronger knocked his teeth out and he went and came back and set up the uh, the tying goal. No, no, don't let, let let's let's keep a ultra competitor down. Like that's just like listen. Like I said, it's a freshman, totally different uh, story. He has years of college yeah. left. It's a graduating player that is now able to make his own decisions. I I have no problem with you uh, keeping keeping him in. So what was he throwing? Like what was he? Did he have? Was he spotting it all over the place? Was it power? Uh, he had that change up going, uh, like a wizard a masterful, um, kept them off balance. And then like, at some point you got to figure like, they got to be looking for it. And it's just such when he, when he's got that pitch doing what he wants it to do, it's such a good pitch that you could look for it and still overswing on it. 
he had that working. He'd slip in the fastball in, out, up, down. He'd spot it up. And he has enough velo where it's like you have to respect his fastball, and that he makes his dominant changeup even more so dominant. Um, and then he fl- he'll spin it a little bit here and there. And, and, you know, when he's doing that, it's like now you're adding a third pitch that I got to take care of as a hitter. It's It makes your d- day very difficult. And that's a really good lineup that he did that to. Um, you know, 10 innings, 10 strikeouts. I think he gave up 10 hits. A lot of times Hunter will give up a few singles here and there, and it's like, yeah, he gave up 10 hits. That's okay, though, right? Dude, he's got the best pickoff move I've ever coached from a right-handed pitcher. And singles, frankly, are, from, singles are not the worst thing. To he picked up. the dude off. Like, guys know his move is this good. They don't take big leads, and he still catches guys, righties and lefties. And usually, the, like, the good lefty mm-hmm. Pettit has the best move. Hunt, and I'm obviously I haven't been on the field with Pettit. Uh, to all the guys I've ever been around playing, coaching, as a righty, doesn't matter right or left, Hunter has the best pickoff move of any player I've ever seen live. So when he's throwing that well, um, it it almost gives your batters confidence to know that he's 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 in the zone. He's going to do it. We just need a little bit, and we're good. Is that kind of the chatter in the clubhouse and the no, in the dugout? What were, we, what were we up to? I think we we're up to nothing. Um, we had an opportunity to like they got the leadoff guy on on base. It was, I think the eighth inning again. Um, and then there's a ball in the dirt that Gary blocks. Jake Gary, our catcher uh, from Washington and Yale. And he's awesome at blocking baseballs. Blocks this ball up, and their runner was a bit aggressive, and we had him caught. And, uh, you know, we were just a little bit late uh, on the throwback to first base. He was able to get in safe. So there was a potential out there. We didn't get it. Uh, and then and then I think the same inning, there was a, a strike three that Jake has blocked everything. All see, this one kicked off him a little bit. So it was a strikeout that the guy advanced. And then the... <laughs> Which is crazy. I'm not. I'm not getting on Jake Gary. It was a pleasure, and he's he's an unbelievable catcher. One snuck through the five hole in, on him, and we haven't seen that either all year. And Hunter's stuff's so good that some you know that's going to happen sometimes. So one, so they they had a few really fortuitous things happen yeah. for them that inning against an all star caliber catcher, um, and then a dominant guy on the mound. So they were able to tie it up there. Um, and and you know we had the bullpen going, and it was like you know. This might be it for us. This might be it for Hunter. You know, obviously, we how you feel, and we know what he's going to say. But there, there's body language, and there's eye contact, and there's I know Hunter is going to do whatever he has to do here. But you also know when he's like, "This is my game." And is that where you're relying on Austin, or or I don't know if it's Austin or yourself that to to be able to read that and be like, "Okay, I know he can go," or I know he's just saying he can go. Yeah. Um, I've been around long enough to know that without talking to the guy when he doesn't have anything left. Um, the eyes or something or the body language? The body language stuff. The stuff will tell sure. you if he's yeah. done. He was still down in the zone. He still had swing and miss stuff. Um, Hunter and I have a relationship. Uh, at no point would I ever put him in a position to get hurt. Um, he, he is a warrior. He is a bulldog. He's an ace. Uh it just wasn't time to take him out. You know, we had guys ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, that was his game. It, it would be silly for me to take uh, that young man off the mound. Um, yeah, there was a point, and that was probably it. And in the 10th, that was it. Um, but we figured that uh, he had earned that right to make that decision for himself, considering how much he has done through the summer and us knowing his body and him knowing his body. So, um, 
yeah, what an outing, dude. Like, do you know, like that for him to step up like that, and it wasn't the first time, but that was the first time we really let him go. Um, that that's what that's what this league and and that that's what the, this level requires from their best guy at the end of the season. That's why we recruit graduated players um, in their last kick the can and and have an outside shot at pro ball. Like he's right on that cusp for for him to have that moment as a as a young man uh, that he'll never forget. Uh, for him to imprint his himself on the city, which he'd already done, and to punctuate it like that, you know, whatever, dude. Like you can you can beak us online, uh, sour grapes, brother. Uh, okay, so I've I've been to a few games where you guys have won in walk off fashion. Opening night, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I think it was Pierce Blahoviak yeah. who who walked that off. Uh, podcast karma, um, <laughs> and uh, and then the uh, the triple header day, the middle game. Yeah. I think it was Travis Hunt uh, with the the walk off that day. I don't even know because Trav, Trav had so many hits yeah, and runs did, scored. Yeah. It probably was him. Uh, so tell me about the walk-off on Friday night. Give me the scenario. How's the ending? How Build the ending for me. Let's see if my memory serves me well. Um, you know, we were able to get a guy on base. I think it was hit by pitch. And then there was another hit by pitch. We ended up double stealing. And Trav was up. And we were down 4-2 because we'd given up two in the, in the top of the 10th. So, yeah, things are looking real good. We get a couple guys on, and they got some wheels. Uh, they went to the bullpen. Uh, we had a strategy uh, in place. Uh, Pierce is running at second. He's a lead runner. Javi's behind him at first. Both guys can run. Um, and Travis Hunt's up. Travis Hunt's up. You know, they, 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 I want to try and get two guys in scoring position for my boy, Trav, the middle of the order guy. But he he's a really good hitter. Would you ever look at bunting with him? We have. Yeah. Um, no. Not in this situation. Because he's too, too good of a hitter, right? If he splits a gap, you know, the back runner will score. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what, frankly, Dino, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure there was one out, so it's not a good situation. Okay. I don't want to put all the pressure on my forehole when my sure. best guy's up. And then on top of that, this is the reason why, is because we're going to steal this base. Okay. We're just going to rip this bag like we've done all summer, and that's what we talked about the first podcast. That's we're right. going to rip bags. Um, we almost doubled the next closest team in stolen bases this year. So it's part of our game plan. It's part of what we're going to live and die with. Uh, so we had a plan. They made a mound visit. I talked to the runners. We came up with a plan. They were given the freedom to execute it uh, without me telling them when. Uh, we That's what we've done all year is, is freedom of decision-making. So how does the back runner know he's got to be watching eyes the on, lead runner then? Eyes on and the don't whole be time late. not watching you. Eyes on, don't be watch the pitcher, watch the lead runner. Really, you don't need to watch the pitcher because you you can't go until he goes, so you have some time delay. You are basically eyes on from first base. But if there's a lefty pitcher on and he sees your guy staring off. First baseman is behind. He's behind? Okay, so it doesn't matter then. Okay, let's play it back. So So your eyes are on the lead runner. He takes off. You basically give him a little bit of clearance and you got to go because some teams will throw down to second and give up third base. You can't allow that to happen. So yeah, that you. So is that where you got to watch for the rundown? Now I have owned. There's a rundown on first and second. Should your third baseman, third lead runner, be going home? You, I guess the situation. Yeah, right? you can't make the out at the plate. So of course, there yeah. is an opportunity during that. Yeah, if you are timed it up right and you right. make the right decision, you'll be safe. Um, 
but we can't exchange that. So basically, right. you're kind of stuck at third. So anyway, he, we're successful. We steal both. Double steal, yeah, yeah. We double steal. Trav hits a dude like he, he he crushed this ball. He just missed it. Proper, proper. Uh, you know, it was three quarters of the outfield at Remax is is pretty decent shot. Sack fly. So we score, we advance, it's man on third, and then and then it was a walk. And then I think it was another walk, so now the base is loaded. So our four hole walks with a man on third, uh, Bo Gilbo. Our five hole walks is Jake Gary. Uh, so now the base is loaded, two out. I pinch run for Bo at second now that he's in scoring position with mm-hmm. with a, a slightly faster player, a faster player. You did player that on the uh, triple header day as well yeah. to help score a run. Um, so we, we we put Davis Pratt in there, a Prospects Academy kid from St. Albert. Podcast Karma. Podcast Karma. And uh, Tyler Maskell, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Steps up to the plate, goes, and this guy's walked t- two guys, and goes, oh, two count, boom, boom. Wow. <laughs> Not expecting that, are you? You know, we're like, hey, go ahead, walk him too, please. Yeah. We'll tie this up. So he goes, boom, boom. And then... Uh, Tyler Maskell, uh, one of the biggest hits in franchise history. You know, poked one through the infield. Their shortstop fully laid out, just misses this. You know, we're obviously gone on contact. Was it going in slow motion for you? Because you're on, th- uh, you're dude, like, like the third base coach. Was it slow motion? As soon as it's hit, I'm waving. You know, like we're we're gonna well, of try. Well, course, it's two outs. But when you're as you're watching that ball hit through, did it did did it time slow like real, down? No, it seemed like real time. It okay. was it was when Davis was coming around third base. Um, normally, you'll see third base coaches like run with them down the line but um from my angle um i'm already about 15 feet close to the plate from third base in foul territory i gotta have eye contact with my runner and and, and frankly you don't he he knows he's he's going anyway he doesn't need me to tell him so i'm waving and as i'm waving i'm not going down the line like the power of my wave was taking me into the outfield the other way and i was waving and waving and so now <laughs> Did i'm you getting start flying yeah basically and now i'm getting further away from the plate and i'm watching this happen and and davis slides in and i see the umpire um you know go safe call and our bench comes flying over the you know just absolutely unreal and and coach goose was right there and we chest bump and uh dude like that was that's a memory for me that's, that's going to be a lifelong one it, uh it was unbelievable man like the way that played out to get that big hit the play at the plate was as close as you can get um we do have the video of it he was in there but it was bang bang at the plate um and to 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 do that and force game three you know knowing that we had him on the ropes in game one it's like dude we can do this you guys got this Mm -hmm. let's go battle him again and unfortunately game three didn't go our way but um a memory i'll never forget you know do you think game three was fatigue like, do you think? No, their guy was. You don't I, think fatigue I, I ever want, caught up? I, I know it sounds crazy. How could it not? I know it sounds crazy. I don't feel like it ever, ever showed itself. A little bit during the seven games, there was a couple defensive plays in you know game five or six that we kind of kicked on it was that a, weekend. You mean? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it was a focus thing, and then we were able to clean it up. We had a couple days. Um, I'm sure guys were tired. I'm not saying that they're superhuman or anything like that, um, but game three. You know, there's a couple things we didn't execute again, and I think it it, it was it was more so the decision making that, that we were a little bit late making the right decision, not from fatigue. It's but, from our okay. youth. We were a fairly young team, but and when you're tired, you do yeah, maybe. decision. You know, like you look at uh, 
overtime games that uh, you yeah. know go into like triple overtime and a guy makes a pass up the middle because sometimes they're yeah. just not thinking. Yeah. Maybe subconsciously. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, I, I understand. You don't want to use it as an excuse. Their guy was really good on the mound and we weren't able to do anything. Mm. So that, well, that's the biggest reason. For though. me, that's the biggest reason, yeah. And I'm sure there is, you know, we probably could have been a little bit tighter. So I'll agree with that, yeah, for sure. Um, but t- hats off to their guy in the mound. He just shoved for nine innings. He went cut CG on us and decided he wasn't going to let us do anything. So sometimes when that happens, <laughs> not much you can do about it. All right, so the the season is over on the field. Lots of work to do off the field. And uh, we're going to bring in your boss, uh, yeah. the owner of the Edmonton Prospects, Pat Cassidy. Uh, we're going to talk with him about, well, get his perspective on yeah. uh, Friday night and the season as a whole and the future of the Edmonton Prospects. Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. We are very pleased to uh, have... Uh, on the program now, Jordan's boss. Yes, Jordan did not know this was a, uh, an evaluation <laughs> on the podcast as we spring it on him. But to Pat Cassidy, the owner, and uh, the reason uh, we get to watch such great baseball in the River Valley is uh, joining us today. Pat, thanks very much for being here today. Yeah, my pleasure. Let's start. Uh, we're we're going to touch on the season. We're going to touch on the meeting that you have on the 15th, which is very important to the future of where you guys play. But... Let's start with the season, and we only have to go back a few days to Friday night. Uh, I unfortunately was on a pre-planned camping trip in the middle of the wilderness with no cell service, so I didn't even know what happened until yesterday when I got back. But what was Friday night like uh, when you look at all the nights you've had at the ballpark? How does it compare? I would I would say probably the most exciting finish that uh, I've been involved in in terms of owning this team. I literally jumped three feet in the air. My phone and, and keys and everything <laughs> flew, and my wife had to come and collect me and said, I've never seen you jump that high. And, I mean, it was, it was an incredible ending uh, to an incredible game and, uh, and just a whole lot of fun, that's for sure. What are you like during games normally? Are you pretty calm? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I kind of, for the most part, I think I, I, I stay reasonably calm, but, I, but I, I get into it and... I even become an umpire heckler, if you can believe it. <laughs> and then I think about that afterwards and realize that, you know, I'm trying to work an angle. I'm trying to get in his ear, and, I, and I'm trying to do what Jordan would like to do. I know he'd like to do it. And that's so I'm, right. ki- I'm kind of doing it uh, de facto from the suites yeah, over there. That's a good spot to be doing it from. We've we got have, we have moles everywhere planted around the ballpark. That's today. right. That's uh, <laughs> a good strategy. Jordan, for you... Um, you know, when that uh, run comes across the plate and everybody's running on the field and you realize you've just tied the series in spectacular fashion and the whole night from from Hunter Boyd's 10 strikeouts, yeah. I believe, going the distance, um, you know, you're, you're exuberated and you're happy. And then, you know, you're you're probably happiest for the guy that, uh, you know, is responsible for this team to have that kind of a night. Uh, the crowd was awesome. Um, it was a back and forth, just like game one was back and forth and, and we kind of kicked it a little bit there in the, in the eighth inning in game one. And then game two, we were up and, and, you know, uh, a couple bounces didn't go our way. Like we, we, they were able to create, uh, we had an opportunity to stop them in the eighth inning and they ended up scoring two runs on a couple of miscues on our part. Um, so we were, you know, I was hopeful that history wasn't going to repeat itself. And then we gave up a couple more and we were down going into, 
you know, going into the bottom of the 10th there. Um, yeah, really my emotion that, I mean, I, I've kind of thought back to what that game was now. It's a couple of days past and, and that's going to be a game I remember for a long time. Um, you know, to see the fans, uh, how engaged they were and our players and how much energy and emotion that they had, um, you know, on the bench and you could just feel it in the stands. And I mean, I, I know where Pat's at and, and I know how important it is, um, you know, to put on a good show, you know, outside of the baseball hat that I wear and you take care of the team and whatnot. You know, my, my job in the front office with Pat and some of the other people that, that really work hard to provide a good entertaining show um, for, for us to be able to do what we did as a team um, was like, you know, nail on the head for what you want to produce for your fans. Um, and that was that night all in one at the end of the year after a huge run that we went on and so many moments in those three days where we played a ton of games. And then to have that happen at home with Hunter Boyd's performance and then the late inning heroics and getting guys on base and then the game winning run play at the plate bang bang very close umpire goes safe our bench piles out like there's a like a, there's a fire in our bench everybody's gone crazy um you know i got a chance to look around the stands and everybody's just um, the enthusiasm and the energy was, was palpable you know it was it was crazy um what an awesome event to be at if you were there. I'm um, really happy for Pat that we were able to do that for the organization. Yeah, you know, that's what guys. I mean. To be able yeah. to give him that win after the amount of work he's put in, it must have been so satisfying. For sure, for sure. And and for people to be happy and and, and go home happy like that and, and with a memory, and, and you know, I'm not going to speak for Pat, but I'm sure like he kind of intimated already, that, that might be a memory that lasts for him after all these years and, and a ton of awesome things happening for the organization in the playoffs and regular season, but some big wins in the playoffs for that to be something that's going to stand out for Pat. You know, that's huge. I'm, I'm really happy that we were able to do that for him. Pat, this season, um, you know, as, as satisfying as Friday was, had to been one of the most trying as a, as a baseball owner. And, um, and I know golf courses uh, probably felt the same way uh, with, with the amount of uh, weather delays that we've had. Um, you know, you've been involved uh, with this team for a number of years. How did you stay patient? Really had no choice. Uh, you know, weather is, is just not something you can control or do anything about. So you got to kind of roll with it and uh, make the most of it and fight you know, you fight to get every game in and done and, and played. And, you know, we had uh, we had spent a lot of time setting up this season, you know, from getting the season extended to 28 games, bringing in the All-Star game. It was set up to be a record-setting season. Um, and the truth of the matter is it still was. We still, we still set attendance records. We, you know, we sold more suites than we've ever sold, more corporate deals that were done and 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 so you know it it was a uh, you know if I had to give it a on a scale of one to ten if I had to had to, had to rate it it was probably a, a seven and a half but we had actually set this up to be a twelve this mm -hmm. year and and so um, frustrating yeah I know John Short used to come to me and he'd say I don't know how you just keep remaining so so calm and patient and uh, you know it just uh, it, it you just you just have to yeah you're frustrated you're disappointed when you when you get up in the morning and it's clouding over and it looks like it's going to rain again. And, you know, from what I understand, we had uh, the, the wettest July in 40 years, which is yeah. ridiculous. And so we, we had to, uh, we had to work our way through that and, uh, and still put on a show and, and do what we do and, and make it all happen. So, 
Well, you can you can get up in the morning and shake your fist at the clouds all you want, but two things that are undefeated, father time and mother nature. Like you, you just, you can't defeat that if you have to accept it. So I, I, the one thing I will say, you know, if you're ever looking at silver linings is the, the people that you had around you had to learn how to adapt this year. Like you guys had to adapt to a lot of things, which makes maybe going forward better because, uh, you know, guys, you guys had to work on the fly a lot this year. Absolutely. You know, you're constantly rescheduling, juggling, uh, you're in rain delay. What are we going to do? You know, you, you got anxious fans wanting, well, why aren't you going to cancel the game? Why isn't the game canceled? Well, that's not the policy. So, you know, there's, there's a, yeah, just a lot of, uh, adjustments and, and changes that have to occur during the course of the season. And, and, uh, you know, this year it was a, a record situation. Mm-hmm. So when the guy at the top is calm and cool and collected and saying, okay, let's do this. It makes it easier for everybody else. Uh, what was it like, you know, with the chain of the command and the amount of people, the amount of work that you guys had to yeah. do, was it, uh, you know, not always smooth, but like, I mean, even the, the day we had our listeners there with the suites, you guys had to play a triple header and, and it's just like, Hey, we got to, we got to roll with the punches. Right. Well, I think, uh, Pat and I are like-minded as far as, uh, you know, like there's a policy in place that there's a course of action that needs to take place when you get bombarded with rain you get that torrential rain. And uh, Pat and I come from the same school of, we're going to try and get this in. Uh, that's basically a league mandate. And, and uh, when you consider travel and other team schedules, like it's not so easy just to, you know, Hey, we'll play this another day. There's not a lot of openings in the schedule. Um, I've got a little bit of background taking care of fields in Nanaimo and, and what wet weather is like. So, um, I get it. Uh, I'm not going to say I love it. You know, who, who does the, who loves putting a couple hours in on the field to try and get a game in, but I completely respect what our organization has to do. And, and as a coach, it, it is what it is, but I'm also involved in the front office and we're trying to provide for our fans who have made a commitment to come to the game, you know, and set this up and scheduled it and want to have a great time. And so knowing that as the coach, I think that helps in in talking to our players and letting them like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is just the way it is. Um, we really do care about our fans. We're going to do everything in our power as players. At that point, we all have to chip in and, you know, the guys were awesome about it. They, they understood exactly what needed to take place. Um, you know, I'm sure nobody was pumped to do it. Um, but to a man, dude, you know, like those guys, they, they worked hard a couple of times, uh, went above and beyond to try and get that field ready for, for us to play for one, cause we want to play, but, but also for our fans that had showing up and we're, you know, hanging out on the concourse and in the underhang and, and listening to music and, you know, cheering us on when we were doing different things. So, um, you know, the, the message from Pat is, is it's pretty simple and it's not really a message he has to deliver. We're going to try and do our best to get to get the game going. You know, and then when it comes down to the nitty gritty a couple hours later and we've been working hard and now it's still raining and we have to make a call, ultimately that, that falls on Pat to make that call. And, and you know, uh, from my office, the coach's office, we support that 100%. Like we're in this together, um, you know, and, and nobody wants to have to play three games in a row, but sometimes you got to do some things that you, you, you don't choose to do. You just got to get them done. And um, we were forced to do that this year, so... Uh, the, the messaging comes down from the top. I completely agree with where we're at. And, and, you know, we, we tell the guys what the deal is, you know, we're waiting for the rain to stop. We have a little meeting in the clubhouse fellas. This is what's going to happen when this stops. This is what we need to do. You know, you guys on this, you guys on that, you guys take care of this and then we'll get, we'll get after it and see what we can do. 
One more uh, kind of off-field um, addition that you had this year was the live stream uh, with the ICU video. I was right. part of uh, that production uh, a few different times, uh, hosting some of the games, and and uh, you had John Belmont and uh, um, uh, yeah. Al Coates, of course, uh, doing the play-by-play, and, and Rob Zitlow. Uh, directing uh, the center field camera that they had looked really, really good. So it, that's an upgrade uh, for fans too. Um, especially that's a way. Uh, as I know a lot of parents of players were you would contact me about the live stream and how good it was. Uh, that was a really nice thing because you had parent parties in the United States gathering to watch games together. I didn't know that. That that's cool. Um, yeah, it was uh, like a huge upgrade from from previous years and a major financial commitment for us to, to go down that road mm-hmm. as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, and we don't really know where it's going to take us at the end of the day. Um, it was something I decided to do. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to create something, produce something that was quality, um, you know, put that on the record and then we'll reevaluate it and look at where we can maybe exploit that for future use and, and uh, maybe how we can, try to drag the league along as well. I think this isn't just an Edmonton thing. I think it's something that eventually the league has to start uh, looking at in terms of, you know, better branding itself and exposing itself and, and uh, trying to create some, some other n- new sources of revenue and, and drag more people down to the ballpark. So when you think about the season on the field as a whole, uh, when you were playing games, uh, you had that frantic finish, which is not ideal, but was pretty fun to be watching. That's for sure. Um, when you look at everything that happened, uh, you get into the playoffs, you win a playoff game. Would you would you call this year uh, a good success? Oh, absolutely, without without a question. Uh, you know, we, we had we had some summer doldrums there where where the team was struggling and we were, you know, fighting to find ways to to get wins and and stay relevant, stay in the race. And <clears throat> I mean, we started off great and then it kind of tailspin real quick. And, and it took a while to, to get out of that, but you could, you could see the team was, was, uh, you know, never, never gave up on itself, never gave up on each other. And it all started to just continue to come together. And it sort of culminated with the, you know, that seven game stretch where we needed, we needed seven games to, to make the playoffs. Cause we knew, you know, that, uh, there was not very much chance that Yorkton was going to pull a rabbit out of the hat up in Fort McMurray. So even though that hadn't happened yet, we knew pretty much that it was going to happen. So we knew the, the seven games was mandatory. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, just, um, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a number of years, and this was a really tight group, really good group of kids. And, uh, you know, I mean, even, even, even when it ended, there was a moment. We talk about moments where – the last out was caught in the outfield, I believe, and uh, Bo, uh, Bo was on second base. And as soon as the game ended, the man was literally in tears, and he had teammates out there to give him a big hug, and and you know it, it just kind of capsulates the what it's all about. You know, it's a an intense two or three months. You got a bunch of strangers coming together. They do, they 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 band together. You know, like 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 warriors and. There's this camaraderie and this friendship and and this just appreciation for each other, and then, bang, it's all over, and and it's 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 like that every year, but this year and maybe it's because of the whole lease thing, this year it just seemed to have, much greater meaning. And every team's going to be different. Like every, every team team's is different, different with yep. with this, especially with this. Uh, age group. All right, I'm going to ask you a question that I often ask Jordan when he brings players out, and I ask him, 
you know, what he saw in that player to recruit them. What did you see in Jordan that made you say, <laughs> well, here we go. I want this guy to, <laughs> to lead our team. And, and he was also, he's also uh, part of the, the general manager of the front office. What did you see in Jordan and, and what do you think of his performance this year? Well, uh, you know, I've known. Would Jordan. you like him to leave the room while we ask? <laughs> Maybe I should. Well, we get out have here. A... This is a hot seat all of a he sudden. Should, he's know? sitting beside me, and I just seen him clench his fist. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now I'm worried. But anyway, um, I've known Jordan for for quite some time. He's a kind of kind of funny. Was he was uh, he was he was my very first coach when I took over the team back in 2007, I believe. And so we started off that year, and. And then the next season, things kind of went sideways, and, and we didn't play, and he ended mm. up going out to Sherwood Park, and then he went off to Nanaimo. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, we had a little bit of history out at uh, Terra Pines Ballpark way back when and got to know each other a little bit and through the through the 2007 season. And, and uh, yeah, kind of stayed in touch, not, not, you know, in any great extent. But uh, that picked up in the last... Uh, couple of years when I think Jordan was looking to looking maybe a different direction for his career and his life, et cetera. And so we started talking a little bit more and, um, I, um, you know, you, you can, you can tell the guy knows baseball. Um, the guy's a people person, um, you know, for the most part, we got to work on a few little, rough, <laughs> he's got a few little rough edges, but for the most part, he's, he's a, he's a people person. He's, uh, he's passionate about the game. He's passionate about winning. Um, he knows the ins and outs of baseball. I, you know, I, I listen to this podcast and I'm just sort of blown away at the knowledge both of you guys have in terms of baseball. And, um, um, I just, uh, you know, initially it was, I brought him on board as, um, as the assistant general manager and kind of put him in charge of helping out with recruitment because I just felt that was something that we were lacking a little bit. I felt I had a couple of good coaches last year and the year before and the year before that, I just felt that uh, on the recruitment side, uh, they didn't really have the connections they needed and the pipelines, and uh, I felt we needed to, to, to sort of um, improve on that aspect of the operations because, uh, I mean, you know, recruitment's a huge part of success. It's the talent you bring in. It's, it's the, type the start. Of it's, the, it's the start. It's like we're bringing these, putting these ingredients together. What do they need to look like and what do they need to be? And we needed some help. I mean, uh, the, the, the best we had done under the previous uh, – um, uh, coaching was, was a 50-50 year, and, and I just felt that as far as Edmonton's concerned, this should be one of the premier teams in the league. We've got a lot of things going for us. We should be able to put out a, you know, a strong, solid club each year. We've got some local talent that other clubs don't have the luxury of, uh, of, of utilizing, and, uh, you know, and we were on the same page, so we, we saw things alike. We, we, uh, there was just a lot of compatibility there. So I brought him in first as an AGM. Um, he had a business background. That didn't hurt on that side of the ledger. You know, we talked about some some different marketing schemes, different marketing ideas. So, you know, there was a, it was like a, it was, it was like a complete package and uh, not just a coaching package, but there was other, other stuff that he brought to the table. And so um, he came knowing that, you know, he wants to be a coach inevitably, he knew it might be a wait. I don't think. I think it kind of surprised him. It came as quick as it did. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, the 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 plan for me when I resigned this September or last September was uh, in my mind. I, you know, I'm 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 really happy with what we're doing. I'll I'll do this one more year and then reevaluate. Um, I had no problem working with the last coaching staff. I thought 
we did a fairly good job as three strong-willed people could do. I, I thought there was, you know, communication was good, and um, I thought we worked through some things last year that were, were were really good. You know, we had some ups and downs, but we were able to work through them, and it was always a positive outcome. So, yeah, when the the last coaching staff basically resigned uh, early in the fall process, like I had already started recruiting and building, and um, they they kind of walked away. Um, yeah, now he needs a coach. So I'm thinking, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna do a real exhaustive search here for you, Pat. You know, slide my resume <laughs> under. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, hey, nobody's applied here, man. Yeah. Uh, I know a guy that might be able to take this for you. So that was the funny part of it. Uh, you know, I kind of looked around to see if there were some options. And, you know, I knew some guys that might be interested, but you know, I wanted Pat to know that, that I was ready for this too. And I wanted it. So um, yeah, ultimately it was past decision. I would have stayed on without that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure Pat would have included me in the hiring process or not if we went elsewhere. Um, but I had made a commitment to be here in the role I was in and I was going to fulfill that. Um, I really enjoyed working with Pat on the business side of things. You know, Pat kind of alluded to um, some of it was baseball, what I was brought in for, but I do have a business background. I have built a program in the past, um, a little different than what Pat's doing, but um, I didn't have the resources or access to what we have here in Edmonton. And, and for me, that was exciting. You know, like I have an idea that will actually get followed up on. Uh, where in Nanaimo, there there was no point in having ideas. We were really, really hamstrung that way. So, you know, kicking ideas. And, and when we have team meetings, um, our staff has a team meeting every week. Um, to just go through a bunch of ideas, you know, from, from my background, watching games all over North America and, you know, Pat's experience and the other people in the, in the room's experience, how do we make this better for our fans? How do we make this better for our players? Um, how do we generate more interest? Like, how do we turn this into, you know, 7,000 people coming to the game every time, Mm -hmm. you know, probably unrealistic for that number, but let's keep pushing upwards. Right. So that was really great, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to try and continue to build that. I think there's a lot a lot more work that we can do. All right, before we look to the future and uh, a very important meeting coming up, I just want to go back in the past one more time. And, um, you know, for people that maybe are unfamiliar, uh, you know, what made you want to buy a baseball team uh, in the first place? And what has made you stick it out as long as you have? Because there have been other baseball teams that have been short-lived in Edmonton since you know, you know who left town, you, you stuck it out. You've tried to build something really positive. What was it in the first place that made you want to get into this, Pat? Well, in the first place, I didn't want the team. (laughs) Okay. I, I, I I was, uh, um, there was a group that, that had the team and they wanted out. And, uh, at the same time they wanted out, they didn't want the team to die. So, so they basically pursued me and I kept telling them, sorry, just I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I've got a, design build construction company I'm, I'm i'm focused on that i'm busy with that i've got my i do my my own you know little bit as far as baseball is concerned i had a, i had started the what turned out to be the prospects baseball academy right. so i was involved in that so it wasn't like i wasn't involved in baseball um but i just i just i really at that time is probably going back to 2006 i didn't really even fully know what this league was all about and at that time it wasn't a summer college league it was more like a a senior league Mm -hmm. of high caliber you know of a reasonably high caliber uh level and so and and you know not much brand nobody had heard of it so i'm i'm thinking and you guys don't want it so why do i want it and 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 they kept pursuing me pursuing me and uh finally i said well okay you guys just don't give up 
and I said, if I can find three partners, three or two or three other partners, I'll do it and we'll do it as a hobby. And I mean, it was relatively low budget at the time. It was playing in St. Albert. And I think right. that first year operations were $60,000 for the entire season. Wow. And so it wasn't that, you know, and, and I was running a fair mid-sized construction company. So, you know, this wasn't, wasn't that big a deal from that perspective, uh, except uh, early the, the following year when cash call time came and none of my partners turned out had any money. <laughs> Whoa. And so that's when I kind of found myself either, okay, they were, either we carry on and go forward. And I'd made a commitment to the league by then and uh, I wasn't going to not. And so I did. And, you know, it's one of those things that just kind of grows on you. And um, you, you go through a season. Um, I mean, I look back to that first season and, and the second season and there are still players I'm in contact with, uh, you know, um, one of the players from the second or third season just contacted me the other day, said, Hey, I'm in Banff. I'm, I'd like to get up to Edmonton, come visit you, come watch a game. And, 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 you know, so there's, 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 we talked about this season and that special group. There's been a number of years like that. And that's part of it. It's, it's that it's uh, the challenge of trying to um, succeed with a baseball business. When everybody tells you, well, you're crazy. That can't be done. Um, you know, and, and an opportunity when the opportunity presented itself to get into, uh, what was then Telus field, um, I, I kind of jumped at it, which, you know, turns out that first year was, was a very expensive jump, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. um, you know, since then we've, we've just continued to make progress year after year and, uh, you know, to the point now where I think we've got a pretty darn good thing going here. I agree. The attendance has gone up every year that you've owned this team and taken some large leaps uh, from year to year. Um, and now we're, we're at the, the kind of a crossroads, aren't, aren't we? What's, uh, yeah. tell, tell us about, you know, what is going down on the 15th of August? Uh, what do you, what's, well, you know, the, the 15th of August is getting, getting built up probably a little bit more than it should. It's, it's, it's simply a meeting, uh, with this committee that the city set up to, to, um, review and evaluate the bids from the proponents. Um, the city, of course, is not disclosing who the other proponents are and won't, uh, and they claim it's due to privacy. Um, hmm. But uh, we know through f- through some of our sources, we do know that there was there's basically one other proponent. It's a it's a group uh, headed headed up by Randy Gregg. I'm going to suspect my former coaches are involved with that group as well. Um, what we don't know is exactly what it is that they are proposing, and I've I've tried to push the city to make that public and they refuse once again citing privacy and i just i just feel that there's something wrong with that in terms of of this process Uh, i mean everybody knows who we are what we're about it's all out there for the whole world to see and they can pick it apart or love it whatever you know decide whichever way they want to go with that but we've got another group that the city could quite easily come september announce that they've turned the ballpark over to another group and here's what it is and the city's had and the public's had zero knowledge or input into the process. So maybe that's the way the city works. I don't know. I don't think it's, uh, I don't, I don't think the fans are going to be that happy about it, but um, you know, it is the city's ballpark and I guess they can, they can do it, it whatever way they choose to do it. But uh, so, uh, you know, here we are, uh, we're kind of at a crossroads, as you, as you said, um, I feel that uh, we've created something special. We've created a brand, we've created a, a business model. And obviously we want to continue to go forward with it at Remax field. We've established a lot of, uh, fan base there, corporates, the corporates, you know, communities uh, supporting us. 
Um, I think that the summer college model is just a tremendous model for this city, for baseball, for grassroots baseball. I think uh, the opportunity for those kids to get out on the field and play in front of 7,000 on Canada Day or even the other night, 2,000 at the, the playoffs with that excitement and enthusiasm, I think that is, is more inspiring than just about anything you can do for a kid in this, in this area. And you, you just see it in the eyes of the youth. You see it in the ball boys. You see it in so many, so many people in, in the community that, uh, you know, are excited about what it is that's going on down there. And, um, I, you know, I, I just think the sky's the limit. We haven't, we haven't maxed out yet. You know, I know our, I know our new, new, new slogan this year is max it out, but it's not maxed out. And, uh, Maxing. yeah, yeah. And, and there's, there's more opportunity. There's more, there's more growth. There's, there's, uh, there's more things we can do as a team for this city. There's more things this we can do as a team for the league. And, uh, I, I, to be honest, I think, I think the city is, is stalling and, and trying to provide this other group an opportunity to find some other team, some other league. They've, uh, I've just learned uh, just prior to this meeting that the August date, end of August date as to who they wanted to negotiate an extension with has now been pushed to the end of September, hmm. which, uh, you know, we've, we've got to declare to our league by October 10th or 15th, I believe it is, whether or not we're going to have a team in the league next year. So obviously they're, they're not catering to our needs. They're, they're, they're catering to some other force, some other, some, something else that's going on and has been going on for probably more than a year now. That's it's interesting. You guys are the existing tenant and correct me if I'm wrong. You know, you guys have put some money into Remax and are, and are willing to uh, do some upgrades, but you probably don't want to do that if you're not going to be there very long. Right? Like, is there, is there a plan that you guys have? Is, is that what the August 15th is, is you propose to the city, your plan, and then they will hear from somebody else. Is that the, the give and take kind of well, thing? Well, we, uh, so the process started June 10th when, proponents had to have their, their bid in and their proposal in. And we did that. And, and then apparently some other group did that. Uh, early July, there were some questions that came our way. We answered them, provided some additional information. Um, and uh, then the, the 15th is what they're saying is phase two to their evaluation process. And it's basically to sit down with us as one of the proponents to uh, review what we've proposed and, and what the opportunities are and and, um, you know, I guess just talk about it. it there's, there'll be no decisions made at that point in time. And, uh, um, and, and then once this meeting's over, I guess we, we sit and wait or we decide we can't, you know, because we've, we've, got, a, we've got a season to deal with next year. Hmm. But you, you guys have put considerable upgrades into this uh, stadium. And we've, we've, put, we've put some. I mean, nothing. Or, or ready to put some more, uh, too. Th- that's a different, yeah, that's a different question. Uh, we've put, we've, we've, you know, we're, we've put some stuff. We've done, you know, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 worth of upgrades each year, whether it's food and beverage equipment or, you know, some of the backstop equipment, that type of stuff. So we've done stuff on a, on a smaller scale. But, but there's some, uh, the ballpark's closing in on 25 years old. There's some things that need to happen. And uh, in exchange for a 10-year lease, because that's the was the terms of reference that the city put out, was they're looking for a proponent for a 10-year lease, and so based on a 10-year lease, we made some proposals that include a new infield, uh, lights. We need some LED lights so we can save some money and improve the, you know, the the lighting in the field. Um, we've got. Um, uh, a new score clock, a new digital score clock, because as you see, the mm-hmm. one we have is not very good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that would be just an, a huge, incredible enhancement to the fan experience at the ballgame. 
And, and especially given that, you know, that's, that's one of those we talked about, the, the live streaming. Well, with the live streaming and the slow motion replay and all of that kind of stuff that ICU can do for us, that's the kind of stuff that we can transpose onto that digital board and give the fans live replays and, uh, you know, along with a lot of other cool stuff. Um, and uh, we've got uh, some, some upgrades planned for the, the home plate lounge because we see that as a year-round venue. The, mm-hmm. the neighborhood wants it. We'd like to give it to them. Uh, you know, and just, just some other smaller generals type stuff that might save some money, mechanical, electrical type things that, you know, are just if you made, made some improvements on this type of stuff, you could, uh, like we air condition our, our suites, whether the team's on an eight-game road trip or not, which doesn't seem to make sense to me. I think we could improve on that and save some money. Uh, I I agree, Jordan. That's something that we've talked about is you know making that ballpark a year-round destination. If you have something there, you know people aren't just coming. They're, you know they're coming down for maybe dinner before the game or things like that, but they're also coming down in in February. Yeah, you know what? Uh, that home play lounge is is we we've kicked around so many awesome ideas. Uh, the community, uh, Rossdale there. The three Dales are kind of the closest communities there. Uh, there's an appetite to do something down there for sure. Um, you know, and something that uh, has come up in some of these meetings with the city, uh, it's public knowledge, um, you know, they, like the year-round use at REMAX Field. And, and you know, we've Pat's been in there longer than I have. I, I joined a couple of years ago. Uh, but we constantly talk about ways to how, how, how can we do something in February? What can we do in December? Um, and, and we're met with some challenges, and these are the challenges. Um and even in, let's say in March, Dino. So there's no group out there that's willing to rent the facility in March because they don't know what the weather is. And that's never going to change. And we've solicited, we've gone out, we've pounded the pavement, we've knocked on doors. What can we do? Uh, and we've come up with some ideas. We had a children's wish um, art art show and, and interactive art with kids um, in the home plate lounge. Like, Very what, cool. what can we do? Well, let's do this. Perfect. Let's do that. And then you get into April, it's the same deal. It could be nice, it could be rainy, it could snow. And so people really aren't willing to step up to to rent the facility because it's a cost. It's a big facility that has bills attached to it. Um, so our window, and really, frankly, anybody's window in there will be limited. Um, now, some of the things that we've kicked around doing are big-scale projects that are really expensive uh, to try and do some things you know, in December and January. And those are, those are big ideas. Those don't just come together in a couple of months. You know, we've been kicking these ideas around now since I've been a part of the front office. It takes time to build them. You know, there, there's a lot of financial commitments and, and you got to get the right people involved because it's not just us doing it. So whatever group, if we weren't to be the group in here, you know, the, the pipe dream of let's get it active 24-7, 365 is just unrealistic. Now, to, to our defense, and I'm, I don't mean to be defending us, but to our defense, that ballpark's in use like dang near every day as soon as you can be. Um, there's a group in there tonight, you know, so, um, you know, depending on when our playoffs continue on, you know, now we're done. Um, but, you know, there, there's groups right in there and through September, and that starts in early May, and frankly, that starts in March with the college baseball program the Pat has, has allowed to get in there and, and created a partnership with those guys. So they have a facility and a, and a top-notch facility to train in. So, you know, we took our academy in there to help the college program this year get snow off the field for them. You know, there's a ton of snow in April and they have home games coming up. So the academy jumped in there and said, hey, we'll take ground balls on the infield in exchange. We'll, we'll shovel some snow and try mm-hmm. and get this playable for you. So, 
you know, like we, we, we constantly are looking for how do we help? How do we get more people in there? How do we get more kids in there? Our kids camp was a tremendous success. We're looking at doing more programming as the Edmonton prospects for all ages and skill levels of baseball, just to introduce the sport. And then also to get into more competitive streams with kids that, you know, may or may not be able to afford the academy set up because the academies are more expensive. You know, we can reach more kids that way. And so Pat and I have talked about those ideas and, and you know, we'll see if we can develop them or not. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, we, we love that facility. We're from here and we've all seen what happened since the trappers were here. Um, I lived it. I played against the Cracker Cats. I've had friends play for the Cracker Cats, for the Capitals. Um, what our players did this summer, you know, me living it firsthand, the connection they made with kids and families and, and moms and dads, the amount of hands they shook, the amount of yes sirs, hey, come on back, and the amount of positive vibes we got from our fans and, and thanking us for the connections we made with their kids is something that doesn't happen everywhere. It sure, sure did not happen with the pro teams, the low level pro teams that were here. It's not going to happen with them because they have other intentions. Our group is about building the sport in the heart of Edmonton. Um, Pat slugged it out when he took that field over. The city needed some help and, and the prospects stepped up, took some losses early on to provide a product. And then with Pat's intention and, and building background, he's trying to build something special. Um, we haven't won the championship yet, but that doesn't mean that what has happened there isn't special. And, and for us this year, we finished above 500. Uh, you know, we won a home playoff game. It's a great thing. Um, but all that is secondary to how many people we connect with on a day-to-day basis that say thank you to us. And, and we're trying to th- thank them, but they're thanking us for the experience that their 10 year old had, their six year old had, um, I've seen kids grow up in this community because I've recruited here since 2005. The fact that the prospects play in that ballpark has indirectly made kids better and given them a, a set of dreams to aspire to. They want to play for the prospects in Edmonton in front of their friends and family. And I get that that's not enough to sign a lease with us, but that's what's gone on through minor baseball right down into the lowest levels is kids have chosen to play baseball over hockey in this community and we're a big part of that, Dino. Could you put a rink in there in the wintertime? Like, could you have home plate lounge as like a hot chocolate area, getting ready area, and have a, an outdoor rink that, uh, you know, uh, the, the community could use? I don't know what how that would affect the field. I'm, I'm not well, really sure. <clears throat> that, that's that's an idea that's that's certainly been bantied about, and we've talked about it as many as three rinks, you know, and yeah. having a little outdoor league and just some, you know, going back to old school outdoor hockey being played and mm-hmm. your toes start to freeze up. So come on in and have some, some <laughs> hot right, chocolate. Yeah. We all remember that, right? I think it would be uh, fantastic. Uh, you know, there's a fairly large cost to, to those sure. rinks and you know, you hit the nail on the head when you're, you're concerned about the, the field and what, what, what might happen to the, to the grass field and this and that, I think is problematic. Uh, kind of goes to, um, I'm, I know in, in our plan, we, we've, uh, built in a new um, artificial infield and we've asked that it they take it out 20 30 feet further so that maybe we can start looking at a couple rinks on the artificial surface and Mm -hmm. we need to do a little more research and investigation into how that would all come together from people who've actually done it but uh, it's uh, it's it's got kind of a magical uh, I you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for appeal that's right and uh, um, 
I think I think it's something that could work, and but it's once again it's something that we would have to partner with the city on and and get them to sure. cooperate and uh, um, you know go from there. The more rinks, the better. And and listen, uh, my wife uh, worked for Aquila Productions for a number of years and and would travel to the NHL outdoor games at Wrigley Field and and she said it was uh, it was just really cool that you know looking up and seeing that atmosphere. So so maybe that's down the road, um, but but I, I guess Pat. What's your message for, you know, baseball fans listening, uh, for anybody listening, um, you know, not that you have to state your case, because I think you guys have stated your case over the years, but what do you want people to know about the prospects baseball team remaining at Remax Field? I, I think the, you know, the biggest message I can give, give Edmonton is, is, um, you know what, the, the product, the, the summer college product, and that connection to the local baseball player at all levels is the right fit. It is really the right fit for this city. And we shouldn't, you know, get drawn into affiliated baseball or the Pioneer League or, or go back to the days of the Cracker Cats and the Capitals with, uh, with uh, you know, uh, independent pro baseball. Um, those, those leagues will maybe put more events into the facility and sell more popcorn and beer over the course of a season but they will not do for the sport what this model does. And I, I think that's a, that's a huge asset to the city of Edmonton as we, as we grow the sport of baseball in this province and in this city. And, you know, who knows what doors that will open up in, in addition to the summer college league from, you know, the standpoint of uh, tournaments or hosting this or hosting that. And there's, there's more that can be done, but you can't do any of that without some sort of long-term certainty. And uh, uh, I, I just, I just think it seems the city is, you know, working hard to find some other solution. The solution is right there in front of them. They, they just need to realize it. And uh, I don't, I don't think they're there yet. I think maybe some of them are, are there and there may be even some, you know, some, some communication within the, the halls of city hall about all of this. And, um, but, uh, but I think they need to pay attention and, uh, what they have is, uh, of course I'm, I'm biased, but I've seen it, I've lived it. And, and I know what it can do for, for the aspiring athlete in this, in this city. And, um, and I mean, you know, as far as, as far as baseball as a spectator sport, it doesn't, it doesn't, can't get any more exciting than it got the other night. And we've brought a lot of those types of moments to the city, and and there's more to come if you know if we're given the opportunity. I think that's uh, well said. Uh, best of luck, uh, obviously uh, on the on the fifteenth with your meeting, but uh, beyond. And uh, I hope we're watching prospects baseball at Remax Field again next year. Absolutely. Thanks, Dino. Let's get back to the action. This is the Prospects Baseball Show. Pretty good conversation uh, and a very honest and open conversation with uh, Pat Cassidy, the Edmonton Prospects owner. Uh, I would say uh, not the same conversation that the city of Edmonton is having with the Edmonton Prospects. There's not been a lot of openness and there's been a lot of secretive stuff going on. I don't understand it. I don't think it looks good on the city. And we're going to put a call out. For next week's episode, uh, for somebody from Edmonton City Council to join us on this show and hopefully explain to us exactly why they're being so secretive. So a good chat with Pat. We really appreciate him coming out. I really appreciate the uh, the amount of time, effort, and money this man has put into this franchise. And also for yourself, um, 
Let's yeah. look back at this year a little bit. Uh, you 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 mentioned in that interview the the coaching thing came up a little bit sooner. Uh, so you balance being a coach, an AGM, uh, a podcast co-host, uh, uh-huh. it, and and a lot of challenges. But I I don't think you would change anything, would you? No, it was a great run. Uh, you know the the team the team came together as designed. Um, and that's what it, that's what it's all about is playing for each other. Uh, that's what every team is all about. Uh, the ability to create those friendships and and the trust, the camaraderie, you know that that's what that's what tells you you have a good thing going. Um, you know, I, I, our record could have been better for sure. It could have been worse. Um, you know, these guys battled from day one through some ups and downs. We had a lot of new players that have never done this league before. Um, I think that that was something that they had to get used to. There was some travel and, and whatnot um, that's just new to them. Um, and they're living in a new city. So there's a lot of adjustments for the guys. You know, ultimately, you, you, you do want returning players year after year so that they can help lead the new wave that, that's brand new to the organization. We didn't have a lot of that this year. And, and yeah, how, did you have that's fine. a few? Uh, how many we returning? had a couple. You know, we had uh, Taryn and Scott Gillespie. Um, who else did we have? I don't want to leave anybody else. Right, right. Uh, well, we didn't have a bunch anyway. So is, is that something that now that this season is over, do you start talking to guys about next year? Like, would you like to come back? And do you want to come back? And, and how does that process work? I know it's it's kind of hard for you to say this is how it works when you've only done this one year and you took over very quickly uh, from the guys who bolted last year. So you have to, uh, you don't have a lot of track record, but do you start talking to guys and saying, hey, hey would Pierce, would you like Jake Gary? Would, you know, these whoever it might be, would you like to come back next yeah. year? Yeah. Well, when I when I did the team in in 08 in Sherwood Park, that was, that stemmed from the 07 prospects that I, that I was the, you know, the head guy for. Um, and then I played 0506. So I've been in the league through a process of years and, and kind of watched what works, what doesn't work. And that was a long time ago. So things are a little bit different now. Uh, something I decided not to bring up with any of the players was next year. Um, we had things to take care of this year. Um, so I, I really didn't broach the subject with anybody. Um, you know, I told a couple guys they're always welcome in Edmonton without talking about our baseball club. Um, and I, d- I don't think it would be fair to them to put them on a on on the spot like uh you know I got to give the coach and I don't even know if I want to come back and I don't want to tell him no because then he won't recruit me, so I felt like I needed to respect their privacy on this and let them get through this season. I was approached by a couple of players about wanting to come back. And That's a good sign. And, and, yep, for sure. And I said, you know, well, for sure, like let's talk. It's not quite the time yet, but for sure we'll we'll get into this soon enough. Appreciate you letting me know. Um, so, so that's always a good thing. I, I think that, uh, I, I'm hopeful that some of these players would like to come back. Um, there are other options and there are some other leagues that, that could be closer to home or closer to some people that are trying to keep tabs on certain players. Uh, Cause we had a lot of talent, um, a ton of talent that, that there's some pro potential there from a few of these guys that they may be told where they're going to play versus get to choose Edmonton. And that's fine too. That's part of what this process is. Uh, but honestly, you know, I'd love to have them all back. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, we need, we need to hit a little bit more as a group and we need to, you know, make a few more big pitches throughout the year. Um, I think we lost at one point. I haven't counted. I was told that we lost 12, one run games. Um, you know, if you, if you, you win sp- half of those, you split those. You're, we're laughing. You're in third or second. We would be in second. Yeah. Um, and it's not the case. And I'm, I'm not a horseshoe type guy with baseball, 
but we were right there a lot. And I know we talked about it all summer. Like we were right there again and we just couldn't get that third run across. And um, so I think that the, the chemistry and the ingredients to this group was right. Um, you know, we didn't execute at times. That was wrong. Because uh, there are things that we could do as a coaching staff differently, for sure. You know, and we're always looking to tinker, and that doesn't take the end of the season. That's end season, midway through, or changing ideas, approaches. What can we? What works for this group? And we're always looking at that. That's every single day of our of our job and our lives, as, as far as being the leaders of the ball club. Always looking for ways to get better. Um, and we 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 can't return these guys because there's you know six or seven of them that have done their eligibility. So there's always going to be that turnover. A couple of them are pretty special. Yeah, you uh, have to be um, either finish your senior year or in college. You can't, like, Hunter Boyd would not be able to come yeah. back and play in this league, yeah, correct? he's done, yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's done. he's aged out, basically. Yeah, he's aged out. So um, hopefully he gets an opportunity. I know we, we've kind of contacted a, a couple of pro opportunities for him, so we'll see what happens there. Um, and you know what, like, the, that senior group that we had this year, you know, you know Tanner Rowney and Hunter and Taryn, Katsu, Eric Crane, um, somebody else I'm missing. I hate to miss them. Um, Austin Harrington. You know, honestly, like if I miss one, I'd have to check my Twitter. Those guys, they really meant something to this organization. The, the way they led by example and attitude and demeanor in a season that is of such, we had a lot of young players that that needed guidance. And these weren't guys like, hey, do it this way, do it that way. It was none of that. It was just they were consistently prepared. They were consistent in their demeanor. They were consistent in their attitude, their swagger, you know, their energy at the park. And whether the young guys know that or not, it was something that allowed them to make mistakes as younger players and not have to pay an emotional price for it because they always had older guys picking them up. It's all right. We got you. We'll, we'll get it done. Don't worry about it. Um, and then, you know, there's, there comes a time where it's like, don't pat my back. I feel like not, I feel, don't feel very good about screwing up here, you know, get away from me. And they were able to manage that. Those are competitive people. Right. So, um, in my mind, I watched it happen. I think that those leaders did more than they know they did. Uh, and I'm really grateful for that group of, of older players that we had this year. Do you know? Okay. So we asked Pat or I asked Pat this question about dealing with everything that went on from an owner's perspective and the schedule changes and, and all that stuff. What was it like from, and we talked about this a little bit, but now you've had some, a little bit of days to look back at the season. Um, how did you, um, you know, what was, were you calm because he was calm and, and that kind of sends a, you know, uh, a, like a ripple effect through the, the organization because, you know, you're dealing with teenagers in, in some respects. They can probably be like, what's going on? They're almost like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Like, what's happening? How did you keep the players yeah, at uh, at even, even keel? Well, I think all my guys would say, uh, JB, just cool as a cucumber at all <laughs> times, right? <laughs> um, no, you know what? Uh, again, it touches on some of the older players we have, and they're leading by example when weather happened or things weren't, going is according to plan. They've been through that at various times in their college baseball career. So the fact that we did have some teenagers that, you know, haven't done this league, haven't, haven't done that grind, um, could kind of follow the lead of some guys that have is huge. Uh, it, it's priceless in the sense of, um, camaraderie and chemistry and, and 
just understanding what has to happen. You, you don't have time to complain. There's nothing to complain about. This is just the reality of the situation. When you have older players there that know that, makes makes mine, mine and Coach Guzzo's job a lot easier because this is just what's going to happen. So, you know, I think, Pat, uh, you know, we try and get every game in here in Edmonton. We're never going to apologize for that. Um, sometimes that means the players need to step up and we got to do some field work. Um, and that's just the way it is. Um, I, I've lived that life uh, my whole college career. Is, is That's part of your job is you got to get the field ready sometimes and, and in situations where it's it's looking ugly, but you got to find a way to get it done. And I'm fine with that as, as a coach. And, and, you know, the message we told the players is, 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 is the same thing. It's like we have to do this. There, there is no discussion. Um, we can do this with a smile on our face and enjoy each other's company or we can kind of be a dummy about it and, you know, our, our team, we didn't have any of those guys, so it wasn't Complaining really isn't going to stop you from having no, to do it. it's still going to be raining if we're complaining or not. So, uh, and, and like, honestly, hats off to our guys. There was a couple times where they they went above and beyond what you would think a college baseball team would try and do to get a field ready. They they grinded as much as the season's a long seasoning grind. There was a couple times where we were doing field work where it didn't look good, it looked bleak, and they kept working. Um, and, I, and I appreciate and them. And you got to play. Well, yeah, and then, it, as it turned out, we didn't end up playing, yeah. which is crazy. But, but, but you're preparing. It's like you're you're exerting yeah, all this yeah, energy, yeah. and then, and then, then I got to go out on yeah. a hill and yeah. whatever it might be. I chalked that up to I think they're still young enough. They got enough energy yeah. they could do it, but I don't know. I'd, I'd need a nap in between, uh, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Okay, so we, we chatted with Pat about the uncertainty moving forward. Um, you know, you'd love to, to, uh, get some answers this Thursday, but it doesn't sound like you're going to get answers. You're going to be able to just put your case forward. So what do you do now? What's the process for you as head coach and AGM of a team that's not sure where they're playing next year? Um, what's like, I, I imagine there's a kind of a down period for you, like everybody. Um, when does, uh, when do you start grinding it up for next year, and how do you approach this? I'm on summer holidays right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I approach this just the same as, as any type of adversity that we've had throughout this season with the travel or the weather or whatever it may be. A bad call is, uh, you know, deal with it, and, and I still have a job to do. So I'm going to approach my responsibilities the same way I've done every single day I've been part of this organization. Um, you know, I've already started – to look around for players and, and, you know, put messages out uh, to contacts. And I don't think that anybody else in my position wouldn't be doing that. It's uh, it's just part of the job. You know, you're always trying to find put players. Put your feelers out there yeah, right always, now, right? Always. So we, we've done that. Um, I've identified some players that I think would be good fits for us as we just spoke about. Like, we will need to bring in some different players because there's some aged out guys. Um, there are definitely players we'd love to have back and we'll kind of work through that process and you know that they need to want to come back and they need to be willing to come back and a lot of those kind of things. So, you know, we never put all our eggs in one basket. We're going to talk to a lot of, a lot of players, a lot of coaches, a lot of people about how do we improve? Uh, we, we would like to win more games. I don't think until we're 56 and all, we're going to say anything different. We're always trying to win more games. Um, but it has to be the right right people, Dino, and I think we had the right mix uh, with all the connections that our guys made with the kids all year and then at kids camp and then after kids camp, like actually getting to meet a bunch of kids that then came to games following the camp. 
you know, that there was, it was embedded in our team that we were connected to these, these little kids and their families and, you know, moms and dads coming down and autographs and all that. So it has to be the right person to come up here. We're not, we're not going to be hundred percent right. Cause you know, we, we, we don't know these players, but you get to know them, you get to know the coach. What are they saying about them? Um, so those are the important, important things that need to happen in the recruiting side, which takes more than one phone call. So if you're going to wait till November, you've missed out on a lot of people. So, you know, that starts up already. As far as the business side, Dino, um, again, I just approach it uh, in the same way. Um, I've got some ideas of what I think we can do differently uh, that I think would be uh, improvement on, on, you know, game day stuff or, or this particular aspect of the business or some promotional stuff. I'm an, I feel like I'm an idea man. I'm always paying attention to what other teams are doing. I think the ultimate form of flattery is... And other sports. Yes, exactly. Like you know, you know, what are the Oilers doing? Are, something in basketball could work doing? in baseball oh, too, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. And, and you're looking at what other minor league teams all over the U.S. do for fun things. The, what can we do? They have... the. the some of the most entertaining things yeah. are minor the uh, theme nights yeah. that minor league baseball yeah. has, right? So uh, there's that's lots good. of things, like an endless amount of exploration to be done, right? And and this podcast is going to continue just because your your season is finished uh, doesn't mean this podcast isn't going to uh, stop as well. But we, we we're still going to have a prospect focus on, yeah. on each show. Uh, but we're going to expand more into Major League Baseball yeah, as we yep. get down the stretch drive and and a lot of things like that. Um, other types of, uh, not just Major League Baseball, we're going to explore other things. Um, your playoffs continue. Unfortunately, you're not in it. Um, give me a, who do you think ends up in the final? And um, do you do you think, like, is there, is there, is it Okotoks? Or, you know, Regina's really strong. Is there, do you think it'd be, uh, it's going to be a tight final? Yeah, for sure. There was a walk-off win last night in Okotoks. That's right, yeah. Um, you know, and Lethbridge had tied it up and then gone ahead, and then Okotoks came back, kind of did to Lethbridge what we were able to do to them on game two. Um, Regina's bullpen is, is really good. You said they're legit, um, eh? You know, my boy, my boy in Swift Current, Joe Carnahan, the skip, the manager, the kind of do-it-all guy out there. Uh, you never you never bet against Swift Current when Joe's out there. Um, you know, I love that dude. He does a great job with his young men and his players. Their their backs are against the wall. They're one nothing. It was a tight ball game, one run there yesterday. Um, you know, co- these are coin flip games, dude. And and as much as um, Okotoks is a great program, like we had opportunities to be the team still playing. Um, they did a better job. They got it done, and and they moved on. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Medhat too, and 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 Weyburn. You know, the other teams that have been eliminated. Like a fat flat play, uh, so it's a coin flip, dude. Like I always will err on the side of pitching and bullpens. Um, I'm worried for the West because of Regina's bullpen. I really do think they're they're pretty special in, in that relief role there. But dude, we saw a dude in in Swift Current that came in relief that like what what who is it? what this guy is like low nineties hammer like work quick like you know he's just as good as anybody in the league. So when he when they bring that weapon out, it might be short you know, maybe push game three. I know they've got some starting pitching in Swift. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see the Alberta side win it. Um, I'm not so caught up in our rivals and, and whatnot. You know, I've got some rivalries in the league for sure. You know, I love my boy in Swift current, so I hope hope he gets another ring. He's got a couple in the last few years. Actually, he beat the prospects twice mm-hmm. in, in game five twice, uh, three and two years ago, I think it was. So, 
I mean, maybe he doesn't need another ring. Uh, maybe share the wealth, but uh, I got a lot of respect for the teams left. So it uh, it's a it's going to be a coin flip. All right, as we said, uh, we'll keep going with this podcast. Uh, we're going to put an invitation out to uh, somebody from uh, City Council to join us and hopefully find out more about this uh, bizarre secrecy in this process and what's going on. But uh, enjoy some downtime, some yeah. holiday time, recover, and uh, we'll keep going with this uh, the Prospects Baseball Show. Um, as we focus more on Major League Baseball playoffs and, of course, fantasy. Yes. Like, it's going to be Wouldn't half it? Major League <laughs> Baseball, half fantasy almost. Yeah. Uh, that's what we'll do. But uh, thanks for uh, coming out again today. Terrific job on uh, Friday night and all season long, uh, balancing. And, and you, you you always came out with uh, a good attitude and uh, – uh, you never, uh, you know, uh, had a, a guy on the other line about some white walls that uh, you were disinterested in. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll keep going uh, throughout uh, the rest of the summer and, yeah. and beyond. And and uh, we look for, I really, really, really hope we're doing this again next year um, and having a fantasy draft at uh, Home Plate Lounge and all that stuff. But uh, thanks again for coming out again. I had a blast, Dino. This is awesome. All Thank right, you, we'll, man. We'll keep it going. Uh, City of Edmonton, do the right thing. And uh, all baseball managers out there, Ban the shift. It's gone. It's a grand slam. And that's the ball game.